Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for meditation this morning is the epistle appointed for this day from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it's written, no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of Him who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, I'm 69 years old, and I don't wear glasses or contacts. Now, I'm not quite sure how this happened. I've worn glasses and contacts since I was a teenager. And when I first put on glasses as a teenager, I saw so well I didn't take them off because I needed them to see the blackboard in the front of the classroom, to recognize people around me. I just needed them. But as a few months ago, you know, your eyes change with age. I've never needed them to read. I used one contact for distance, and I didn't forgot to put them back in. And, hey, I can see. I can see. Now, does this mean I have perfect vision? Now, you get that pill bottle, and you try and, oh, man, when the print gets pretty tiny, i got to pull out some magnifying glasses. And I'm sure that if I put that contact back in, it probably some things would be clearer, but not enough that I, you know, it's... And of course, then there's the problem of lack of light. I don't know if any of you, you know, over 60, you start, you start to realize you need more light. That's just the, that's just the way it is as you get older, need things brighter. So no, my vision's not perfect. Probably nobody's is really perfect in this world. That is in physical things. But our Lord has given us a perfect vision when it comes to spiritual things. Now, our sin interferes with that sometimes, but he has given us a way to see things, to understand them. Things, way things go in this world. To understand and differentiate what is godly and good and what is worldly and not necessarily good. So let's see how we get this and how we distinguish this godly uh, thinking versus worldly thinking so we can have a more perfect vision. Now, in this letter to the Corinthians, 
up to this point, Paul has been explaining to the Corinthians a congregation in which there were factions. I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow... He said, I came to you and, and kept a very simple message. I just wanted to preach about Jesus Christ and how he was crucified. Very simple, the story of his crucifixion. Messy. You think, you ever think about what it was like to be on Golgotha when Jesus was crucified? It was messy. It was noisy. There were women wailing and crying for Jesus. There were the pain, agony of pain of having nails driven through hands and feet and being hung on a cross for hours and people taunting and jeering. Ugh, it's just awful. And yet, this is the message, the simple, very clear message that Paul says, I wanted to bring to you. But is this what people are looking for in this world? Ah, that's too simple. The Greek people, whom Paul de dealt with here a lot, <clears throat> he, they wanted a, a philosophical system to let's hang our minds on this philosophical system. Then we'll have something we can, you know, we can think about. Jews look for signs to prove what, what was coming. Other people, even today, they look for um, something more sophisticated, right? How can I get things right with myself? That story about a crucified, that's not going to do it. What can I do? Moved from Arizona, not too far from Sedona, where they had the vortices, the vortex. You're supposed to go here, and there's spiritual energy if you do it just right. That's one way of doing it. There's all kinds of ways in this world. It's got to be something. Not this simple message that, that Jesus, about a Jesus being crucified. It appears worthless and foolish to the people of this world. But in fact, it's a message full of wisdom. See, that crucifixion of Jesus, it paid for our sins. It took away the guilt and punishment that was due our sins and brought us back to being with God. And if you really sit down and think about your predicament in this world, this is the worst thing there is. This is our biggest problem. Guilt. Sin that causes guilt. The punishment that's out there because of that. The fact we're separated from our Creator, whether we even want to acknowledge that it exists or not, that is behind so many feelings that people have in this world. And what do you deal with them? Well, Jesus came and dealt with them. You know, we have messed up our lives. We've hurt ourselves in countless ways by the sins we've committed. We've hurt our friends. We've caused harm to our friends and people around us. We've angered the God who created us, the one to whom we should return. And what do we do about that? It gnaws at us. It now, some people just try and sweep it under the rug, but that doesn't take care of it, does it? But Christ and Him crucified removes that sin, and because the sin is removed, now we're right with God, reconciled with God, and that all comes in this simple message of a man, son of man, 
but also Son of God, being nailed to a cross and dying. And, and the upshot is that Paul here mentions that it says, that wisdom destines us to glory. Okay, that's all taken care of, but what's the, what's in store? There is a glory destined for it. We, we are going to go to a place full of glory because now there's nothing between us and God, nothing to keep us out of God's holy paradise. Bible study, we do, you know, the Revelation refers to we're going to get to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. You know, what God already has, what Jesus has, that glory, we're going to see it one day. It doesn't seem like it, but it is ours already. It might be kind of like the vision you see early in the morning. There's a, there's a sun over there someplace. The trees are covering up. Maybe there's some clouds. Maybe there's some fog. But there's that glory of the sun back there, and it will come, and we'll get to see that. And that's the way our glory is now. We can't see it well, but it's there. It is ours. We are destined for that through the wisdom that comes of knowing Jesus Christ. The problem is, following this wisdom in this world is not popular, not easy. So to do that, we got to keep this vision before us. Keep that glory in front of us so that we can keep going along the path of, of godly wisdom, following the perfect vision that God gives us. You see, the, the message of this wisdom of Christ, of course, as we've said, is not seen by the world, or at least it's not seen as wisdom. People in this world, they know about Jesus crucified. They may study as a historical fact, but yeah, Jesus paid the price of standing up for his rights, and that's about all they'll say about it. And it's not held by the rulers of this age, he says. And that's just not of Jesus' age or Paul's age, but ours too. And of course, in Paul's time, there would be the rulers that be, that would have been the Roman government, even the, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem who were not believers at all. The situation is no different today. There aren't that many people who, who are true Christians who are in these positions of authority. Uh, they don't accept this wisdom. They don't accept this glory. They do not have perfect vision. They make mistakes. They, they don't know the way. Now, maybe they have enough wisdom, earthly wisdom, to come up with some decent laws, some just laws, some some laws which are effective and maybe they can even enforce them, which can be a benefit to us, uh, but they don't have this perfect vision. Now, even when we go to the polls, you know, the, have you seen any campaign ads lately? Oh, they're all over, aren't they? <laughs> I just read that, that Bloomberg is spending a million dollars a day on Facebook ads they're they're out there, so we got to we got to choose. That is our prop, that is our prerogative as living in a democracy, and we choose the ones that we see can make the best decisions and make the laws that are going to be the most effective at, at keeping of the peace in our country, our state, our county, or or whatever. But very few of these have perfect vision of of a Christianity. And, you know, some of them that have the perfect vision like that aren't necessarily good rulers anyway. 
But this is a situation in this world. The leaders in this world, they do not have the perfect vision that, that God gives so much of them. And Paul points out, because they didn't have this, they crucified the Lord of life. They crucified Jesus Christ, the one who came to save them, because they didn't see who he was. And he wouldn't fare any better today. His teachings are contrary to, to the ways, the rules of, of this world. And there are parts of the world today where Christians are still highly persecuted and even killed. Christian churches are persecuted, told to disband, not to meet. Uh, this happens in, in many places in the world today, but even in our own country. You know, standing up as being a true Christian is not a popular thing to do. You look at the portrayal of Christians in TV shows or in the movies. Very few are portrayed in a very positive light. They're often fanatics or uh, weird in, in some way. So that's, that's the view of this world. They just don't see these things. But we have been given perfect vision. It's not something we have by nature because we have the sinful nature. But God gave us his Holy Spirit. That's what Paul tells us. Because God gave us his Spirit, we now can see things properly. God is revealed to us by his Spirit. By nature, for example, we can read the story of Jesus, how he was born, how he lived, performed even miracles, how he was crucified. But we can't have an understanding of what it means and what it does for us. That we can only have because God sent his spirit into our heart to reveal to us what a blessing it was that he was crucified for us, that he took away our sins, that he reconciled us to God. And that perfect vision of seeing who Jesus is and what he did also is for uh, can help us in our regular life. Because now, okay, what God says about Jesus is good and beneficial. What God says about things in this life, those too are good and beneficial. We can compare, for example, some of the things that, that Jesus said, for example, in, in our gospel for today. Jesus reveals, he says, if you're angry with someone, that's equivalent to murder. Does the world see it that way? No. It does not see that as bad and harmful, but in fact, it is. He says, rather, don't be angry. Seek reconciliation with the people around you. If you've wronged them, seek their forgiveness. Offer your uh, sorry, your uh, your apologies. Confess your wrongs and ask for forgiveness. If if they have wronged you, forgive them. Now, there are so many people in this world that will not accept that. But at least now we've taken care of our part. We have offered forgiveness. We've sought sought forgiveness. That's the only way you can reconcile in this world. And that's the way God, Jesus. That's the way. That's the godly way of doing it. It's not the worldly way. It's a godly way. And since it's a godly way, this is the way that will be good for us. We understand that because we understand what God says. Uh, it also says, lusting after a woman 
or a man, is equal to adultery. Well, the world doesn't see this as a big problem either, does it? If it's just in your heart, that's no problem. But see, God understands the human psyche. God understands what this leads to. And so he says, this is harmful to have this kind of lust. Deal with it. Of course, if you've had it, you ask for forgiveness. There is forgiveness. And we seek to fight it because it's always harmful. Um, with this vision, even, you know, even when we don't always fully understand why. Okay, the perfect vision we have from God isn't the same as the same as having God's vision because he can see things we can't see. So we don't always understand why God says this is wrong or this is harmful, but we know God. So we trust him. Okay, if God says this, then that is what the way it is. We have that kind of vision. If God says it, then that's the way it is, whether we understand it or not. And then there's one more area that Jesus talked about in the, in the gospel for today, taking oaths, swearing. Now, how does the world look at this? They call that colorful language, right? Or salty language, perhaps. But swearing, taking an oath, what is that? That is calling on God to witness what you're saying, and to punish you if you're lying. Now, if we recognize how powerful God is and how all-knowing God is, is that something to play around with? Certainly not. God says that's harmful, that's hurtful. And so we say, okay, with the godly vision God gives me, I see that, and and I will strive to, to not do those things. There are many, many other areas of morality in this world where God calls many things and says they are harmful and destructive. The world says, no, they're funny. It's an alternate lifestyle. It's part of our genes. I can't help it. It's even a loving action. And so it goes against what God's view of things is. We have this godly thinking given by God's perfect vision so that when God says something is bad, we know it's harmful. When God says something is good, we know that is beneficial. And whether the people of this world agree with it or not. How do we, how do you have this perfect vision? Well, it starts with, well, it starts with God giving us His Spirit, and then we respond by trusting God, having faith in God, trusting His Word. That's where it starts. But this, uh, it brings us, we see, first of all, oh yeah, it brings me forgiveness, and it's going to bring me glory. And that comes from trust and faith. And then as we trust God, okay, whatever else he says must be what's good and right. So trust is where it all starts. Faith is where it all starts. Faith in his word. Faith in what he says. Trust in in everything he wants to do for us. And we can remember that by looking ahead to the glory. Oh, there's a glory out there waiting for me. I will trust God as long as I'm here on this earth. Yeah, we always want to see more clearly, don't we? 
You ever clean the windshield on your car? Why don't you just let it get dirtier and dirtier? Why do you even turn on the windshield wipers? You want to see more clearly, right? Get up in the morning, take your shower, and the mirror's all cloudy. Oh, i got to wipe it off so I can... Well, maybe I don't want to see myself that well, but... But you do. We want to see more clearly. You go to the doctor, the eye doctor, get new glasses, get new contacts. You want to see more clearly. Unfortunately, the windshields get dirty again. Uh, and, uh, you know, things... Uh, your eyeglasses get dirty, and vision deteriorates with age. But in spiritual matters, we still have this perfect vision. God has given us perfect vision. Perfect vision to differentiate between godly thinking and worldly thinking. We want to thank God that he's given us this perfect vision through his Spirit. Uh, that's hidden from this world, but it gives us glory and guidance. Amen. May we stand. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.